Hello and welcome to episode number 71 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Cody of DraftAnalyst.com. Joining me is Tony Pauline as we move our 2019 NFL Draft reviews to our second-to-last division, the AFC West. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs have been at or near the top of the division for the past six seasons. They've really taken control of it lately, while the Denver Broncos have struggled the past few years after a pretty solid run in the middle of the decade when John Elway first took over. Yeah, and, you know, you got one team in the Chiefs that hope to take the next step and get over the hump, which Andy Reid has had a lot of trouble doing going back to his days with the Philadelphia Eagles, even though they've had some player moves in the offseason. Then you got the Denver Broncos, and this is a critical draft for John Elway moving forward. Now we'll start with those Denver Broncos, who were reportedly focused on linebackers and Drew Locke at number 10 overall. Instead, they ended up trading back to the 20th pick so that the Pittsburgh Steelers could come up and take linebacker Devin Bush out of Michigan. Instead of taking Bush, Devin White, or Drew Locke, Denver ended up taking Bush's Big Ten opponent, Iowa tight end Noah Fant. Now, Fant is a guy came into the season with a lot of hype, a bit overshadowed by TJ Hawkinson this year with his teammate breaking out at the same position. But Fant is really a fantastic prospect in his own right. He's a bit raw, could use some work on his route running, but his combine workout was really the stuff of legends. He's more or less an oversized receiver, but he does give effort as a blocker as well. It just might end up taking him some time to put his raw tools to use at the NFL level. Yeah, I, I knew early in the process that they were looking at tight end. Everyone was saying Drew Locke, Drew Locke. I had them taking TJ Hawkinson in my first round mock. But, you know, they, they saw an opportunity to make a big move down, to get some extra selections, and then take Noah Fant. And Fant really fits their system. I mean, they like those athletic tight ends, those move-type tight ends. Fant has the ability. He basically is a big receiver in a tight end's body. He's got to polish every area of his game. He's got to learn to play to his measurables. But as you said, he's got tremendous upside. And if he's coached properly and he's able to transition those athletic skills fully into football production, this could be a home run for the Denver Broncos. Absolutely. And in that trade, Denver got pick 52 and used it to move up to pick 42, where they ended up taking Missouri quarterback Drew Locke as the second of back-to-back picks in the second round, right after they took Kansas State offensive lineman Dalton Reisner at number 41. Now, Reisner's a guy who had plenty of first-round hype throughout the pre-draft process. We had him rated as a third-rounder, so this selection kind of splits the difference between that. Now, Reisner tested better than expected at the Combine. He can really play almost any position on the offensive line, even if he's not particularly likely to succeed at tackle. But he's a guy who plays with a nasty attitude, really excels as a run blocker. Now, Drew Locke is a guy we've talked a lot about on the show, really a polarizing prospect. Theoretically, Drew Locke's upside is huge. He's a strong-arm quarterback, really good athleticism, but his accuracy and decision-making are very inconsistent, obviously two of the biggest parts of playing the quarterback position, and it's being kind a bit to call those traits inconsistent for Drew Locke, but if Denver can develop him to his ceiling, they'll look really smart for taking a guy with that kind of upside in round two after he was rumored to be a possibility for them 32 picks earlier. Let's start off with Dalton Reisner, who I never projected at offensive tackle. I mean, they gave Juwan James big money in the offseason. They still have first-round pick Garrett Bowles there. He's going to be an offensive guard. I thought there were better offensive guards there. I never really, at any point in time, graded him as a top 60 choice. You know, he is a tough, nasty, small area blocker. You get what you see with him. I don't think he has a high upside, but teams love this tenacity, so... Hopefully he'll do well. As far as uh, Drew Locke is concerned, you know, good for the Broncos. There was all kinds of talk, which I reported from the Shrine game, that John Elway loved Drew Locke. They were able to get their guy in, in the middle of round two. I was never high on Drew Locke. I basically had to hold my nose and, 
and stamp him as a first-round pick, although I said in interviews I would never take him in the first round. But where the Denver Broncos got him, I thought he's great value. He's another guy. You know, we talk about Noah Fan. He's a little bit different. He also has those great physical skills. He needs to work on his mechanics. He needs to work on his reads. Obviously, he has to transition into a, a pro type of offense because he played in that wide-open system at Missouri. And Denver does use multiple receivers, three and four receivers at times, which I think will help Drew Locke. But he needs a lot of work. He needs to improve his consistency. Physically, he was the most gifted quarterback in this year's draft. No doubt about it. When you look at the arm strength as well as the ability to make plays in or out of the pocket because of his uh, foot speed or the ability to pick up yardage with his legs. He just needs a lot of work on his game. We'll see what happens. But again, kudos to the Denver Broncos. They made the big move to move down in the first round. They got their tight end. They got their quarterback in round two. You know, nothing but positive here. Yeah, I mean, even if we have some questions on the actual picks they made, what Denver did getting the players that they were rumored to get and getting players that really fit their system and have high upsides really was a home run for them. As a result of moving up for Drew Locke and even with the trade out, Denver only had three picks in the final five rounds. They took Ohio State defensive tackle Draymond Jones in round three, Oregon edge rusher Justin Hollins in round five, and Colorado wide receiver Juwan Rinfrey in the sixth. Now, Jones is a gap-shooting, three-technique type of player. Kind of a strange fit if Denver's going to run the 3-4 that they have been running of late. They'll probably use him the two-gap on the edge a bit, even though strength isn't really the bedrock of his game. So, like the player, at that spot, kind of question the fit here in Denver. Hollins is a guy we've talked up a lot. An excellent athlete, a bit thin, struggles to shed blocks at times, but should stand up over tackle as a pass rusher for Denver. Has really nice upside for this selection. Now, Winfrey was a bit of a surprise pick, wasn't on a lot of people's radar as a potential day three receiver with the depth of the class, had some injury issues in 2018 that probably played into that a little bit, but he's got good size at 6'1", 211 pounds, and profiles as more of a depth possession wide out for the Broncos. You know, I would agree with you with Draymond Jones. At face value, it doesn't look like a good fit, but again, you know, even though they play a 3-4, they basically use a guy like Bradley Chubb, their outside linebacker, their pass rusher, up at the line of scrimmage. So it's a 3-4 with a one-gap system. I love Draymond Jones as a player. I thought he was highly undervalued. I thought at one point in time, early in his career, he looked like a top 25 selection. Kind of fell off as a sophomore. Picked it back up last year. He is a scheme-specific sort of player. As you said, a three-technique tackle. He has to one-gap against opponents because he's not going to be able to hold up. But if they use him correctly, I think this was a home run, as was their selection in the next round, Justin Hollins. Or I should say in the fifth round, Justin Hollins. Throughout the season, everyone talked about Jalen Jelks. And if you listen to this podcast with Chris and I, all we kept saying was Justin Hollins was playing better than Jalen Jelks, and he was selected two rounds earlier than Jalen Jelks. He's a great athlete. He tested incredibly well at the Combine. I think he's a great fit for the uh, Bronco defense. I think he's a guy who just, he's got to be used correctly in the sense that he was used more in space for Oregon, where he's more of an up-the-field type of linebacker. I think this is a good pick for Denver that could turn into a great selection. I was very happy to see Juwan Winfrey get selected. I think off of the 2017 film, he absolutely justified a last-day pick. He's a tall guy. He doesn't have the great speed, but he's very reliable, catches the ball incredibly well. I think he absolutely has an opportunity to make the depth chart as a fifth receiver. Denver picked up over a dozen free agents post-draft, led by Arkansas offensive tackle Brian Wallace, guy who's 6'5 and a half, 320 pounds, good strength, but plays a bit stiff at times, was a six-rounder on our board, though, so he does offer some developmental upside as a practice squad player. Boise State's Brett Rippon was also signed by Denver after the draft, more of a heady quarterback, unlikely to ever be a starter, 
more of a game manager, doesn't really have a big arm, doesn't have any traits that wow you, but was a good leader at the college level, and he'll get the most from his ability with the Broncos. Whether that's good enough remains to be seen, but potentially could end up as a long-term backup behind Drew Locke if everything goes Denver's way. Yeah, I like the uh, signing of Elijah Holder, the cornerback from Stanford, a guy who coming in the season, a lot of people thought could be a top 100 pick, could be a second-day pick. Really struggled with injuries the past two years, uh, sat on the sidelines for most of 2017 with a knee injury, was slow to rebound. But if you get him back to health, you get him to play up to his uh, potential. He's a guy who I think could be a dime back special teams player. So I, I think that is a definite undrafted free agent signing to watch for the Denver Broncos. The Broncos walked away from this draft with three potential starters in short order, too. These guys are players that can really get on the field soon for Denver. Again, a good pick with Jones, as long as they use him correctly. Justin Holland's another great pick. So overall, I'd say Denver did pretty well with what they had. What about you, Tony? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I said at the top of the podcast that Elway needed a big draft. And on paper, it looks like he got the draft that he needed. I mean, a Noah fan, he has a potential star tight end, but he's a guy he's got to be developed correctly. Same thing with Drew Locke in round two. Draymond Jones is, I think, a guy who, if you put him in the right system or you put him in the right position, is going to produce for you early on. Justin Hollins has got outstanding backup potential, as well as a special teams player. Same thing with Juwan Winfrey. And Dalton Reisner, you know what? Even though I'm not a big fan of Dalton Reisner, I think he could start for this team for day one at offensive guard. So overall, you know, this is, if coached correctly and if these guys are developed, this is the draft that John Elway needed. Now I'll head east to Kansas City in just a moment, but before we do, please support the Draft Analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. If you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcast to get in touch with the show. Now, the Chiefs' first-round pick was part of the package they sent to Seattle in the Frank Clark trade, which happened days before the Tyreek Hill situation came to light. Obviously, that got a bit dicier with the release of the audio that Hill's wife made as some protection for her down the line. But obviously, trading for Frank Clark there and then getting that news on Hill probably wasn't what the Chiefs envisioned when they made that win-now type of move. But they did have two second-round picks. With the first of those two picks, they drafted a potential replacement for Tyreek Hill in Georgia's Mecole Hardman. They also added Virginia safety Juan Thornhill in the same round and Western Illinois defensive tackle Colin Saunders in round three. Now, Hardman, a former cornerback at Georgia, didn't produce big numbers in the Bulldog system, but he has elite speed, impressed teams in the month before the draft with the improvement in his route running. Kind of a raw player, obviously, as a player who hasn't played wide receiver for that long. Also adds value in the return game as well and really couldn't have asked for a better landing spot in terms of how his skill set is going to mesh with Patrick Mahomes. Now, Thornhill is a guy who upgrades the secondary, really blew up the combine, stood out throughout the pre-draft process, can play both cornerback in his own system, also play safety, obviously. An intelligent player, in addition to being a good athlete, really an absolute steal late here in round two. Saunders is a guy who went a bit higher than we had him ranked, but he was a standout at the Senior Bowl, was also having a new child entering the world at that time, and did a good job keeping his focus there and, and really maintaining his responsibility. So kudos to him for that entire week, really helped him get drafted on day two after dominating a small conference. He's also versatile at 324 pounds, can play either defensive tackle spot. So even though he might have been a bit of an early pick compared to our board, still looks like a good fit for the Chiefs. Tony, what do you think of their second day picks? Yeah, I mean, Hardman is a roll of the dice. Based on his film, I thought he was more of a fourth rounder. But as you said, I mean, he tested off the charts. He's a top 45 
uh, athlete, and it's a matter of harvesting that athletic talent into football production. As you said, you know, he's going to fill in a lot of the blanks depending on what happens with Tyreek Hill as far as his ability to be a return specialist, as far as his ability to be a home run threat and to score any time the ball is in his hands from any point in the field. I just think as a receiver, there's going to be a lot of heartbreak there. There's going to be a lot of situations where, you know, maybe he's not running the correct route. Maybe he's dropping some e- some easy passes. I mean, there was even some point, there was even some talk that he could be moved back to cornerback. Great athlete who's got to turn into a football into a good football player. I thought round two with the 56 selection was a little bit early. But on the other flip side of the coin, I thought Juan Thornhill was an incredible steal. I mean, at one point in time, I said that he was the fastest rising safety on draft boards. Obviously, I was wrong, but it works out for the Kansas City Chiefs because, uh, as I had reported, they were going to look safety in the draft. And I think they got one of the best players. I have no idea. And I've asked people and they can't fill in the blanks for me why Juan Thornhill fell to the 63rd pick of the draft. We knew he was a great player. He's a smart, heady football player. He's tough. He's instinctive. He's played cornerback and safety of Virginia. What we didn't know was where he stood as an athlete. And then, as you mentioned, he went to the combine and blew it up. So I think while I think that Hardman was taken a little bit too early, I think Juan Thornhill probably should have gone at least 20 picks before where he landed with the Kansas City Chiefs with the 63rd selection. Caleb Saunders, an interesting pick. I mean, he's a sawed-off type of uh, defensive tackle. He's quick. He's explosive. I think he's good in the four-man line. I would have preferred him in the fourth round, but you know what? They got him at the end of round three, and if you get a good defensive lineman, doesn't have to be a starter, but a guy that you can use on a rotational basis, and Saunders is a very motivated player, even though he comes from a smaller school. I think that's a big hit, and I think that's exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs did here. The three picks for the Chiefs on the third day. South Carolina cornerback Rashad Fenton, Utah State running back Darwin Thompson in the sixth round, and Illinois offensive guard Nick Allegretti in the seventh. Fenton was a guy who was highly regarded after his sophomore season. Good ball skills. Consistency has been an issue for him over the past couple of seasons. In addition to that, he underwhelmed a bit at the Combine. There is some work to do with Fenton, but he's worth a flyer here if you can get him back to his previous form. Same with Darwin Thompson, who isn't quite 200 pounds, but runs well, shows good pound-for-pound strength as an inside runner, catches passes well out of the backfield. Really a guy who's going to be an effective change of pace back for the Chiefs. Allegretti can play either guard spot or center, which should give him an opportunity to make the 53-man roster. He's smart, he's strong, but he's a guy who's physically limited and probably not going to become a starter in the long term. But if he can give you some nice versatility and depth on the offensive line, is well worth a pick here at the end of the draft. Yeah, I will uh, reiterate your thoughts on uh, Rashad Fenton. After his sophomore season, I had him graded as a potential fourth-round pick. Just never elevated his game, kind of remained level and never took the next step. But if you get him to play up to his ability, you know, you could have your dime back, a special teams player, which you selected in in the sixth round. Fifth-rounder Darwin Thompson, I think, was an excellent selection for him. I basically think that he offers what their top two running backs don't have. He's quick. He's explosive. He's outstanding in space. He's a home-run hitter. He can beat defenders into the open field and then run to daylight. He's got some special team skill. He's also not a bad pass catcher out of the backfield. So I think that was another real good pick by the Kansas City Chiefs, as was their seventh-round selection, Nick Allegretti. He was terrific during Shrine Game practices, if you listen to these podcasts. As Chris said, can play guard or center. A very tough uh, type of offensive lineman, the type of offensive lineman that Andy Reid likes, a slug it out guy who's also smart. He's also a thinking man's offensive lineman. Not the greatest athlete in the world, but a polished product who has some versatility to his game and I think could be an inexpensive backup at either guard or center for the uh, Chiefs. 
Now, two dozen or so undrafted free agents signed by the Chiefs. Texas linebacker Gary Johnson was a nice post-draft scoop. He's a bit small, 226 pounds, but plays a 4-4-3-40 at the Combine, which is on the level of Devin White and Devin Bush, and only about 10 to 15 pounds later. Really good in pursuit, uses that speed well, and that should help him on special teams and also in his quest for a roster spot as a backup. To lead a wide receiver, Cody Thompson is a solid possession receiver, doesn't have the physical skills to be anything more than depth at the NFL level, even as he gets further beyond the injury that cost him the 2017 season. But a suspension for Tyree Kill, as we mentioned earlier, would improve his odds at making the roster. Mark Fields from Clemson is a corner. He has 4.37 speed, a hair under 5.10. Never really played a big role for the Tigers, but some intriguing traits there to try to develop on the practice squad. Anything stand out to you, Tony? I like the signing of Jamal Custis. Again, he's an Andy Reid type of receiver. Tall, slender, good route runner. Finds a way to make the reception. Reliable hands. Really coming off a terrific senior campaign. Ditto for Cody Thompson of Toledo. A lot of people, including myself, thought that Cody Thompson would slide into the late rounds of the draft. He's a reliable receiver. Not the fastest guy in the world. Knows how to run routes. Knows how to get separation. Dependable hands. Also can double as a return specialist. It's interesting what they did with the signing of a couple of quarterbacks. Kyle Schirmer from Vanderbilt and TJ Linta from Wagner. I think both of those guys will compete to be the third signal caller. If they don't make it as a third signal caller on the depth chart, I absolutely think they're practice squad material. Same thing with John Lovett from Princeton, who they have listed as a quarterback. But I think John Lovett is actually going to transition to tight end come this summer. And he's a guy who could compete to be the third tight end on the Chiefs roster. But again, if he doesn't make the active roster, I think he's absolutely practice squad material. Now, when looking at the Chiefs draft overall, you have to include Frank Clark as a player they got for the first round pick. You also have to look at the extension he signed and decide how you feel about that when grading their draft. But I thought overall it was a solid effort. Hardman, as much as he's raw as a receiver, really a perfect fit for this offense. Thornhill was great value, as you mentioned. And while nothing stands out as truly exceptional beyond that, Casey did do a solid job with limited draft capital here. As like Denver, they only had six picks this year. Yeah, you know, they hope that Frank Clark can replace the pass rushes that they traded away or lost in free agency. Obviously, you know, if the off the field issues hopefully don't get in the way, as they often seem to do with some of the players from Kansas City, Frank Clark, I think, will be a big time pass rusher for him. I love the Juan Thornhill pick. I like this Rashad Fenton pick. I think the Darwin Thompson and Nick Allegretti uh, selections were terrific picks in the late rounds for a team that's looking just, you know, needs a few more pieces to get over the hump. You know, Michael Hardman, I think there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road. But if he's able to bring some big playability on special teams and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs have have a history of bringing those guys in, I I think people will be happy with that second round selection. I think overall it was a solid job by the Chiefs. Again, when you factor in Frank Clark, it looks like they – added the necessary pieces to take it to the next level. Just a matter of can Andy Reid get over the hump. And that's all for the 71st episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. Now we'll be back later this week to talk about the Chargers and the Raiders, so keep an eye out for that in your podcast feed and head over to draftanalyst.com for all of our scouting reports and recent draft reviews. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. We'll talk to you soon.